the Bible, God seems to make a big deal about keeping the Sabbath day. God himself gave his people an example by resting on the seventh day after six days of creation. Moses reaffirmed the importance of the Sabbath day rest before giving the Ten Commandments when he told the people of God to collect manna for six days and rest on the seventh. All through the Old Testament, God's people were blessed or punished by their keeping of the law and the Sabbath. Enter Jesus on the scene. Jesus ruffled a lot of feathers by doing things the religious leaders of the day thought were against the law, specifically the Sabbath, to which Jesus answered, The Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Traditionally, the Sabbath was kept from sundown Friday to sundown on Saturday. If the Sabbath was on Saturday, who changed it? To Sunday, many Christians have varying beliefs. Let's break down the various viewpoints and see where we land. resistance chicks we're your hosts leah and michelle jesus is lord of the sabbath did you know that yes you are watching biblical breakdowns with leah and michelle should thing? yeah biblical breakdown biblical should breakdowns. christians keep the sabbath that's a good question there are so many different views on this and what is the sabbath and, wh and what is the Sabbath? Is it Saturday? Is it Sunday? Have we entered what into a it? Sabbath rest? What does it mean? To what do you do on the Sabbath? You know, or do you have do you have to refrain from working? Do you refrain from cooking? Do you focus all on the Lord? I mean, what is the Sabbath? What is it? Why did God command that we honor the Sabbath throughout the entire Bible, in, especially in the Old Testament there? Why do we do this? Why is it a thing? What is it about? Now, I can guarantee you that wherever you land on this subject, you are going to be offended tonight because we're going to cover all sides, but the Bible side. No, not but the Bible side, but <laughs> we're going to cover all sides, okay, that's a new kind including of show. the Bible side, primarily speaking, we're going to honor the spirit of the Sabbath. And that is what God teaches again throughout the entire Bible. You know, when God talks about the law, you know, I would, I really don't love your sacrifices of bulls and, and all this, that, and the other, right? What I, what I really want is for you to love me and to honor me. The spirit of the law brings life. The letter of the law kills. Okay. So I think that by the time you walk away, whichever side you land on, or maybe you don't even know, you will, at the very minimum, be enlightened as to why each of these different sects of groups hold so fast to, to why they do it the way that they do it. And then we'll tell you what Leah and I, of course, we're going to give you our opinion uh, and interpretation of, of what the Bible says here. But this is a very important thing. And if you're watching on Brighton on Sunday, it is considered the, the, the 
Christian Sabbath, right? The modern day understanding of the Sabbath is Sunday. Everybody goes to church on Sunday. You know, you go out to a buffet afterwards. You kick back and watch some football. Yeah, because uh, you're not <laughs> you're not supposed to be cooking, but somebody else can cook, which actually kind of goes against the law because you're not supposed to have your servants or your animals do things. Yep. Oh. So what happens is when you try to keep the law, you do end up, and even keeping the Sabbath, you do end up breaking it sometimes. Right. Some <laughs> some ways. Exactly. Okay. All right. So this is kind of a cool, I think, what did, what happened? J hang on. Wait, wait, wait. <clears throat> You're just in um, code. So go up here somewhere. There should be a, a code there. That That's probably it. Click on that. Yeah. Compose view. Nope. You know, there you go. Okay. Not sure how that's got switched. All right, so you guys can follow along if you want. We are on um, Blogger. We are. are we, am I on Resistance Chicks or am I? Am I on? I don't um, know where you published it. Let's find out. Let's do a screen share and we'll look. I've got it published here, so you guys can follow. Isaiah fifty eight. All right, so Isaiah fifty eight Ministries blogspot.com. Patriot Gallery. Maybe you can put that link in the chat on the live videos at the very least. Um, that's you know we we started out Isaiah fifty eight Ministries. Long before Resistance Chicks, before Mass Faith 3, it was Isaiah 58 Ministries. So you'll find a lot of stuff, especially Patriot Gallery's blogs on Isaiah58Ministries.blogspot.com. Yeah, we also have Resistance Chicks at, at Blogspot. All right, so this is a really great discussion. Do we keep the Sabbath now that Christ has come? If so, do we keep it on Saturdays or Sundays? Which the New Testament calls the Lord's Day, actually, Sunday. Uh, you will have all different answers. All of you guys are going to have different answers and different convictions. Uh, you need to be led by Christ. However, when it comes to Sabbath days or feast days, <clears throat> the Bible is really clear. We are not to judge a person who keeps them or who does not keep and them. That, okay, so that's kind of the crux, excuse me, <clears throat> of this entire thing. Mm -hmm. Carry on, I'm going to have a coughing fit. I know it. All right, uh, but let each person be led by the Spirit. All right, let's go into the Sabbath day now. Some people will say we don't, we're not supposed to keep the Sabbath because that is under the law and we don't keep the law anymore. Well, actually, keeping of the Sabbath started right back in the beginning of Genesis. On the seventh day, God had finished his work. Um, he had been doing. So on the seventh day, uh, he rested uh, from all his work. Now, did God need to rest? No. So what would be the purpose of him resting? an excellent question to show us to give oh us yeah an i thought that was going to be the answer but i thought there might be something to, to give us an example all right so i want to dive in a little bit into just kind of give us an idea of an a modern orthodox jewish how do they celebrate the Sabbath? Uh, how do they how do they celebrate the Sabbath? So if you start not here, Messianic Jews, just an Jews, orthodox, orthodox Jews. Jewish person. Yeah. So start at minute. Hello, seven, I'm please. Tommy Waller. Wait a minute. Let me find minute seven. That's good. Right here. Yeah. Make this big. And I have a very nice uh, meal. It was a, it was a very special Just occasion. A little bit. And I would pray for my children. So Kim's shirts. You probably like like as an Orthodox Jew. Sorry. What are your traditions? What are some of the things like like for somebody that has never heard this term Shabbat, uh, maybe never even heard Sabbath or never been to Israel? What is a Jewish Shabbat? Okay, well, first of all, um, Shabbat for us, um, you know, many people refer to the Ten Commandments, um, and certainly in the Ten Commandments we have that uh, commandment. Uh, to keep Shabbat, although that com that commandment in various ways is repeated in different parts of the Bible, but Shabbat begins actually in Genesis. 
um, you know, the very end of the first chapter of Genesis, you know, God finished creation right. on the sixth day and he rested on the seventh day. And that really is the, the basis for Shabbat. And, and why, I guess you could say, at least from our perspective, it has to be on that day because it is the, that is the day that God rested, which means it is the day that God set aside for resting, you know, for the universe. And then, you know, so that's the fundamental, that's, you know, the background. But of course, um, and, and there's a lot of things mentioned in the Bible as to what you should or should not be doing on Shabbat, but it's extremely general. Um, and so over the centuries, of course, Jewish tradition and Jewish law has added and or, or transmitted, actually, we believe that the original laws began with Moses, as he already was transmitting to the children of Israel in the desert, what you do and what you don't do. I mean, a very classic um, story or, or incident in the Bible that you might remember is in the book of Exodus, very shortly after they left Egypt, um, Moses tells them about the manna that will be delivered to them every day. And then he says to them, but on Friday, you need to, you need to gather a double portion and don't you dare think you're going to have something on, on the Sabbath, on Shabbat, because it isn't going to be there. Uh, you know, and this is unusual because for every other day of the week, God says you should only gather what you need for that one day. Whereas on the Friday, you're supposed to gather also what you need for the next day. Now, it's very interesting because back in the desert when they were eating manna, they didn't really have to do very much to it. I mean, maybe they, you know, fried it a bit, but I think, you know, it was kind of fixed and ready. Um, but that does set the scene for one of the most important rules um, on Shabbat, which is you do your preparations in advance of Shabbat. And so for us, that means it's not just that you work six days and you have a day off on, on Saturday, but it's that the things you're going to be using, for example, um, don't expect to wash your clothes on, on Shabbat. If you want to have nice, clean clothes, you need to have them ready in advance. If you want to eat good meals, you need to cook them in advance. You need to bake the cake and cookies in advance. All that is ready in advance. And what that means then, in practical sense to us today, is that Friday is a crazy busy day. Now, I actually have friends who are their super organized types and they do a little bit for, for the Sabbath Wednesday night and they do a little bit for the Sabbath Thursday night and they do a little bit on Friday and then they actually go out on Friday. I've never done that. I'm not so organized, you know? So Friday is the day that you're making sure you finished your laundry. It's you're doing all your cooking and your baking. And on Shabbat itself, you have the whole family together. Now, when you've got small kids, everybody's living at home anyway. But for me now at my stage, when my children are all grown and have families of their own, um, people are always coming, my kids, sometimes a few families at once, sometimes one family. When we don't have our children overstaying with us, we have friends that come in. The Shabbat meal is a huge thing. It's not just great food and you eat way too much, um, but it's a time, the family, like you were saying, Tommy, one of the things you pulled out of this is this family gathering. Um, it's the family together. Uh, we do go to synagogue. Uh, we go to synagogue for longer services than we do during the week. Um, but so much of it is not just, it's definitely involves praying 
to God, but it's family oriented. We spend time with one another and we have no distractions. We have no television, we have no radio, we have no internet, we don't have, we're not getting in our car, we are not going shopping. And so we really have the opportunity to enjoy each other's company, to revel in the family experience. And from that type of peace and, and tranquility, um, and excitement also, because you know, when families get together, it's not always peace and tranquil. Sometimes it's also very exciting, you know, but from that kind of atmosphere, we are then praying and thanking God. So that more or less, I would say, without getting into too many details, that Shabbat. Yeah, is it you true? You forgot that, one thing. What? No cell phone. Yeah, no, she said that. Oh, right, she... for sure. Well, yeah, of course. No, <laughs> any, fun. no any kind of also, is it true that there that that calories don't count on Shabbat or some kind of <laughs> yeah, right? Like you don't burn. Oh, like it's actually what I always used to say because there's this there's this kind of mystical idea that on the Sabbath you have an extra soul, and okay. it's not something you take literally. It just kind of means that you have this extra dimension of spirituality that visits you on the Shabbat, which makes you open to this kind of experience. I think during the week, if someone would tell you in the middle of your workday, okay, shut down, shut off, sit around and have Shabbat, you would probably scratch your head and say, huh, what? And so this idea that you have been given this gift from God of this extra soul that enables you to enjoy and experience this. So I always used to say, because of course on Shabbat, there's a lot more bread. We have challah, which is the best bread in the world. Um, yeah. We have a lot more cake, cookies, all kinds of fattening things, several side dishes for every meal, you know. And so I would always say as an excuse that I was totally not watching my weight on Shabbat was that it's okay because I have an extra soul and all the feed. I want to answer here while, while we're listening to this, just for if you've just entered in. Leah and I are breaking down all the different various things uh, that are viewpoints and beliefs on and around the Sabbath. So we're starting here with the modern day traditional Jewish way of celebrating Shabbat or Sabbath, and we're going to get into others. So if you're just joining us, I want to I want to let you know that as we're playing these videos, we're not standing here saying, this is how you should do it. We're going to play different things from all different sides, and this is more of a kind of immersion experience so that we can, okay, what is this person view, and how, how do they view it, and what is this person view, and how do they view it, and why do they view it, and what are they doing, and what are the actual things that these different beliefs are doing in a practical sense on Sabbath, on Shabbat, whether that's on Saturday, Saturday from sundown Friday to sundown on Saturday or on Sunday, which is the traditional American kind of worldwide modern, you know, Christian celebration. Yeah, just of a few more seconds on this video. So, but there's one problem. Souls don't burn calories. It's a problem. Yeah. You do at least walk everywhere on Shabbat. So, you know. Okay, you can stop that yeah, there. When, you actually stopped it like oh, literally sorry. 10 seconds before I was going to stop the video. It's like, okay, here we go. We're just rolling with that. Yeah, exactly. So before I, I don't really want to go into commentary on some of these things yet. Sure, let's roll uh, Because oh. I want to kind of give you an idea. So that's kind of a modern Jewish way of, of looking at at Shabbat uh, family really important. We have some Jewish uh, some Jewish friends, and they get together uh, sundown Friday, and it's really important. Um, uh, one of our dearest friends passed away. She was Jewish, um, and we she was she had us over to her house to help serve some Passover meals a couple times. 
and we we love the uh, Benedict Thomases so much, and we learned a lot from them. And so we want to. I'm, I'm honoring. We'd like to honor everybody in in their different viewpoints. All right. So the fourth commandment: God means business. Exodus twenty verse eight. The major institution of the Sabbath came in the fourth of the Ten Commandments, which stated that the Sabbath, or the seventh day, i.e. Saturday, was a holy day on which no work should be performed. It was to be a day of rest and worship. It was serious enough that a violator could be killed for performing any work on that day, and that's from Numbers 15. Israelites were not even to light a fire in their home on the Sabbath. Now, God didn't say don't light a fire. That should be, I just want to be clear. Okay, that's not in the Bible. The Bible does not say do not light a fire. Okay, so you're, what you're going to find here is that there was there's do no work and there are certain things that are laid out in the Bible, what that means. And then there are all the extras. Mm -hmm. Okay, what does this really mean here? Okay, so we're going to go over that. All right, let's start in Exodus 16, manna in the wilderness. And you can start reading if you want. That evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little, and when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. That is a principle of God taking care of everyone. That's good. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until the morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses and they kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered, gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded tomorrow is to be a Sabbath of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. So save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will find not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. All right, so some people will say, okay, that's that's Moses, uh, and but what about the law? Because some people think that um, the day of rest was instituted before the law, but but the manna came before the law. Okay, so resting on the Sabbath actually came before the law, uh, and so in Exodus twenty, Moses lays down the law. On the seventh, uh, so he says in Exodus twenty, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, your cattle, the stranger that is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rests on the seventh day. And the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he hallowed it. You will keep the Sabbath day, therefore, for it is holy unto you. Everyone that defies it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath rest, 
holy to the Lord. Whosoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he will surely be put to death. That's the word death is mentioned several times here. <laughs> uh, uh, therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath and observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. So what did keeping the Sabbath look like? During the period between Ezra and the Christian era, the scribes formulated innumerable legal restrictions for the conduct of life under the law. There were 39 sections of prohibition. They are as follows. Sowing, plowing, reaping, gathering into sheaves, threshing, winnowing, cleansing, grinding, swifting, kneading, baking, shearing wood, washing it, beating it, dyeing it, spinning it, making a warp of it, making two cords, weaving two threads, two stitches, tearing to uh, sew two stitches, catching a deer, killing, skinning, salting it, preparing its hides. Very interesting later on to note, you may put salt on a radish, but it can't stay there too long or it might ferment. <laughs> um, preparing its hide, scraping off its hair, cutting it up, writing two letters. You can write one. Building, blotting out for the purpose of writing two letters. Ah, I messed up on the first one. You're done. <laughs> you have done your allotted writing. Now, what if it's a really long letter to like a whole household and you get like 10 letters in? People cheat. That's how this works. Pulling down, extinguishing, or lighting a fire. Beating with a hammer. Now, what's interesting is later on, modern Jewish people have found a way around keeping, not lighting a fire. It's very interesting. Beating with a hammer, carrying from one property to another. Now, what's interesting is that modern Jews have taken these 39 things, and since they're not killing deer and doing hides, they've, they've transferred them to modern things. Okay. okay. All right. So there's the preparation of bread. The manners of how you're dressing, uh, riding, and the work necessary for just your house. There were five types of interdictions laid down for the Jews, those specifically forbidden in the scriptures. Those supposedly kind of uh, forbidden, things forbidden because they might lead to a transgression of the biblical command, actions that are similar to the kinds of labor supposed to be forbidden in the Bible, and the actions that are regarded as incompatible with the honor due to the Sabbath. Now, over time, Israel and Judah strayed from God and were taken into captivity into Babylon. Uh, while they were there now, though that particular, that was actually written those after the, the captivity into Babylon. Just to let you know, Ezra was after. But um, Israel did stray. They broke the Sabbath. They were, they for many reasons, not just for breaking the Sabbath, for lots of sin, idolatry, putting their kids to the fire, God to Malek, they were sent to Babylon. Got it. Okay. While they're in their time of punishment, they uh, kind of really got away from doing the Jewish, well, it wasn't Jewish, it was just all of Israel then, um, the Hebrew way of living. Right. All right. But God had prophesied that they would go back and they would rebuild the wall. And Nehemiah and Ezra, they were sent back um, to rebuild the wall. Now, in those days, I and Judas... Um, uh, some treading, saw some uh, treading wine presses on the Sabbath, bringing in sheaves, this is Nehemiah, uh, and, and lading uh, donkeys, as also wine, grapes, and figs, and all manner of burdens, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I testified against them in the day that they sold their victuals. So um, Nehemiah was all upset because people were working and selling things and doing things on the Sabbath. And uh, you can read there if you want. Verse 16. 
There dwelt men of Tyre also therein, which brought fish and all manner of ware, and sold on the Sabbath unto the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah, and said unto them, What evil thing is this that ye do, and profane the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers thus, and didn't they do this? That's what he's saying. And did not our God bring all this evil upon us and upon this city? Yet you bring more wrath upon Israel by profaning the Sabbath. And it came to pass that when the gates of Jerusalem began to be dark before the Sabbath, I commanded that the gates should be shut, and charged that they should not be open till after the Sabbath. And some of my servants set I at the gates that there should be no burden brought in on the Sabbath day. Then I testified against them and said to them, why lodge you about the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time forth, they came no more on the Sabbath. And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and that they should come and keep the gates to this to sanctify the Sabbath day. Remember me, O my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of thy mercy. Sounds pretty intense. Does sound pretty intense. Nehemiah, what are you people doing? We went into Babylon because y'all couldn't keep the Sabbath, and now here you are trying to make some dough. Literally make dough, though. And that's the thing that we, we need to kind of focus on as we're as we're learning about the Sabbath. The main goal of, of the resting was... Now we view working for money, right? That's how we view working. They, their money wasn't as big of a deal back then. It was all about buy, It was all about kind of trading and and what you could make to make yourself wealthy by the things that you did with your hands. Hence, why you were not supposed to do any kind of labor because that labor advanced your wealth. You're trying, yeah. You're trying to make money. You're trying to make money, basically. All right, there are promises, good promises, and we're just going to, we're hitting just, I mean, you can blue letter Bible Sabbath and there's scriptures ad nauseum. You can never be sick reading the scriptures. You just don't know what I mean. Uh, but we're going to go over a few of them. Isaiah uh, 56, God makes promises to eunuchs and foreigners, actually. Uh, and I don't think I spelled foreigners right here. Sorry. Who keep the Sabbath. Uh, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them will I give within my temple and within the, my walls a memorial and a name better than the sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to them, to love the name of the Lord uh, and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, who hold fast to my covenant, those will I bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the ex exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. And so this is a promise of... Uh, keeping the Sabbath for the Gentiles that would come in. And he's, it's talking about the strangers and the foreigners. And, and basically the strangers and the foreigners in Israel were a type and shadow of the Gentiles that were coming in. He's like, everybody who comes in, who keeps my covenant, who wants to be part of all that I have, I am going to build you up. And so it's really important. Jesus goes on to say later on, he talks about he, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. We're going to go in. What were Jesus commands? All right, so let's go a little bit to Jeremiah uh, 17 here. Go ahead and start the nor carry. Uh, nor carry a burden out of your house on the Sabbath day, nor do any work, but hallow the Sabbath day as I commanded your fathers. And it shall be, if you heed me carefully, says the Lord, to bring no burden through the gates of this city on the Sabbath day, but hallow the Sabbath day to do no work in it. But if you will not heed me to hallow the Sabbath day, such as not carrying a burden when entering the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle a fire in the, its gates and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem and it shall not be quenched. 
All right, so let's fast forward a little bit. We're, we're going to go back and forth here to what the Sabbath day rules and regulations. Uh, but I want to jump in right here with Jesus. Because Jesus uh, was constantly being ridiculed for breaking some of these extracurricular regulations around the Sabbath. There were many around the Sabbath. Okay? You could not, you literally couldn't, you, you just don't breathe. <laughs> Just don't breathe or you are breaking the Sabbath. Right. Okay. So let's go to um, Matthew chapter 12. Go ahead and read if you want. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him and how he entered into the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless, meaning they actually do work in the Sabbath, but they're blameless well, because they're working. We'll stop here. We'll, we'll do a little interjection. So David's going in there and he's eating this piping hot bread. <laughs> and he's doing it on the Sabbath. Right. Now, where'd that bread come from? Well, the priests were making the bread, stoking the fire on the Sabbath. Right. And so Jesus is literally like doing some sort of like mental gymnastics with them. Right. Like, you do know that the priests were making fire and bread on the Sabbath, right? Mm-hmm. All right. You guys aren't making sense. He's like, y'all aren't making sense. Again, back to the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. Yet I say to you in this place, there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. The guiltless, meaning Jesus is saying they are guiltless. For the Lord, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. That scripture is really going to come into play. When we have Jesus Christ as King of Kings and Lord of our lives, we need to obey him any day of the week. Every day of the week. Okay. And things are going to happen on a Saturday or a Sunday that are going to look like you're breaking the law. Mm-hmm. And you look like you're breaking the Sabbath. Right. Okay. So what does, what does this all mean? Go on and verse 9 here. So healing on the Sabbath. When he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? that they might accuse him. Then he said to them, what man is there among you who has one sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value than it, than this is this, than this man is than a sheep. Therefore, for it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. Jesus did a miracle here. And they are still plotting to kill him. Hence, what we're going to show you guys is that legalism is the same legalism that Jesus was very much against. Whether we're talking about the Sabbath, but the spirit behind it of, of the Sabbath, of honoring the Sabbath is what you should do. And to honor God on the Sabbath, Jesus was like, Yes, it's not just lawful to heal on the Sabbath. It would be a good thing mm -hmm. to do, to heal on the Sabbath. 
Behold my servant. When Jesus saw it, he withdrew from there and great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. Yet he warned them not to make him known that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet saying, behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoking flax he will not quench till he sends forth justice to victory and in his name Gentiles will trust. Yeah. All right. So this is this is just such a, a beautiful passage <clears throat> here of Jesus coming to fulfill everything. All right. So what was the big deal? This is going to blow your mind. Blow your mind. Uh, to heal on, heal on the Sabbath because we've read that and as Christians, if you're a Christian, you've you've bypassed, you've blown, blown past. Of course, you can heal on the Sabbath. Exactly. But where did it come from? In regards to healing on the Sabbath, uh, a person could be medically tended to if there was danger to that person's life. Otherwise, it would have to wait. Because they took the letter of the law, mm. which is uh, Exodus here, which says, uh, Exodus... Uh, 35, 1 through 3. And Moses gathered all the congregation, the children of Israel together and said unto them, these are the words which the Lord has commanded that you should do them. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day there shall uh, there uh, shall be to you a holy day, a Sabbath day of rest. Whosoever does work therein shall be put to death. You, will, you shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations on the Sabbath day. Now there's a question here. Does God ask you to freeze to death mm. on the Sabbath day? Good question. That's a that's a, that's an interesting question. Let's get over here. Yes, they would. Were say, they, they lighting would, fires to stay warm, or were they lighting their fires to cook? Uh, just, uh, that's that's another good question. These are a lot of. There's a lot of good questions here. But to the strict adherence of the law, no, you cannot cook. You cannot. You can't even look at a fire. Okay. All right. So where am I at? All right. Now, uh, now, certain external bodily ailments were not considered dangerous. However, many internal ones were. Another interesting twist is that a person using such external remedies, such as cotton in the ear, may place it there and leave it before the Sabbath begins. But once the Sabbath has started, you can't put it in. And if it falls out on the Sabbath, it would not be allowable to put in another. Thus, when Jesus healed on the Sabbath, their laws were not silent. Unless it was a life-threatening situation, it should wait. Even in modern synagogue services, one will hear the literal pronouncement after reading a list of those who died in that year and those who are presently ill, because this is the Sabbath. We will make no supplication, but pray God's speedy healing and comfort to return. The modern Jew will not even ask God to heal on the Sabbath. Wow. Because that would be God working on the Sabbath. In regards to the sheep fallen into the pit, which Jesus mentions, they had laws for that also. If an animal could be sustained in a present predicament, it should stay there until after the Sabbath was over. If sure death would occur, they could then profane the Sabbath by taking positive action. The canon was that on the Sabbath, no healing was to be done except to prevent death. None. You can't heal. And that's why, that's why he was caught. And that's why they literally wanted to put him to death. For healing on the Sabbath. Jesus is coming in here. And he's not saying y'all are crazy. He's saying y'all are evil. Mm. What you have done. With this Sabbath day. Is so incredibly evil. He says you tie all these knots. And you do and you do all these things. And you tell people to follow all these nicks. Nick, these little crannies and things. 
And then they go away more of a child of devil than when they began. Uh-oh. And you don't even keep them yourselves, you crazy people. He wasn't, this wasn't a joke to him. He was mad and he wanted to heal on the Sabbath. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he was saying, you are evil. You are letting animals be sick. You are letting people be sick. You are not following the father's heart. I said, don't work. I didn't say don't help people. I said, just rest and remember me. You know, the parable of the good Samaritan was so intense and we all take that for granted. But do you understand? These people thought they were so righteous because they were following the letter of the law. Because what would happen, they would have to be unclean for a week if they touched a dead man and that guy looked dead. And so they would go, the Pharisee, the Sadducee, they, they're, oh, I got, I'm, I'm going to be so holy. I'm going to walk away from that, that probably dead person. And the Samaritan, which uh, they looked down upon because they were kind of like half-breeds. They weren't real. They were just, they didn't really follow. They were Jewish. It wasn't that they were, had mixed with. It was, they with had. Their, some of them, I believe. A lot of times. Well, yes. Yes. They, they had married uh, into. Me, they had. Yeah. But the biggest part of it wasn't that they had married outside of, of Jews. It's just that they, they, they didn't um, take the law as seriously as the right. Jews did. And they had married outside of the Jewish faith. But I'm, I'm just saying it wasn't because they were half reads. It was because they literally were halfway following right. the law. And so this good Samaritan, this good Samaritan that where they would look down like almost spit Samaritan out. Okay. <laughs> Us. Um, Jesus is saying, this guy, he's got a heart. <laughs> Did you understand? I want to show you what my law was about. It was about love and kindness. All right. So um, let's see. Where am I at? A person could also apply such a medical attention so as to keep a wound from getting worse, but not so much as to help it get better. Wow. Because... Thus, a plaster might be worn, provided its object was to prevent the wound from getting worse, not to heal it. For that would have been work. Mm. Here is an extreme example. If a wall fell on a man on the Sabbath, and it was doubtful whether he was still alive, you could clear away the rubble in order to find the body. If a man was still alive, he could be pulled out from the rubble. But if he were dead, they would have to leave him there until after the Sabbath. This principle of life superseding the Sabbath... Most probably came from Leviticus 18.5. So I'm going to look up Leviticus 18.5. So while you're, while you're looking that up, I do have some, some commentary on this. And that is, as we're breaking down these extreme views. Keep my decrees and laws for the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. Okay. Keep asking yourself, what do you know about the heart of God? Yeah. What does the heart of God tell you? So I'm going to give you a few more of the meticulous Sabbath regulations. Number one, there was a prohibition about tying a knot and it was too general. So, and so it became necessary to state what kinds of knots were prohibited and which were not. It was accordingly laid down that allowable knots were those that could be untied with one hand. A woman could tie up her undergarment and the strings of her cap, those of her girdle and the straps of her shoes and sandals uh, of skins of wine and oil of a pot with meat, she could tie a pail over the wall over the well with a girdle, but not with a rope. <laughs> a Sabbath day journey could be no longer than about three thousand feet from one's house. However, if you were to set up a temporary dwelling and pitch a tent, you had a meal and you could pack back up. You could travel another Sabbath day journal journey from that place. There's always a way around. Uh, a Sabbath day burden was the weight of a dried fig. 
if a person were to lift twice the weight uh, of a half a dried fig so as to transport it from one place to another and thus combining the action into one, that would constitute a sin and a Sabbath desecration. Okay, wait, wait, no. If the person were to twice lift the weight of half a dried fig. Okay. So, <laughs> the, a burden is a dried fig. If you cut it in half and you lifted half of a fig and then the other half, that's too much. All right. All right. If an article of clothing or apparel were intended to be worn in front, it could be slipped behind without constituting a breach of Sabbath law, but not the other way around. That would be sin. A person could not throw up an object and catch it, for that would be work involving the hand and such labor. But a big question arose. Could you throw it up with one hand and catch it with the other? Similarly, a person could carry rainwater caught from the sky, but not off your roof. Don't know exactly why. I guess your roof is work. So if a person were in one place and his hand filled with fruit, stretched into another, and the Sabbath overtook him in his attitude... He would have to drop the fruit since as he, if he withdrew his full hand from one locality into another, he would be carrying a burden on the Sabbath. So if you're right there and you're too far, you can't carry that burden to the Sabbath. Uh, it was not lawful. Oh, I get it. If you're, if you're walking somewhere. So if you got to go from one person's house to another person's house, you can't take anything with you. It was not lawful to sell anything to the heathen unless to object, unless the object would reach its destination before the Sabbath. Uh, nor to give to the heathen workmen anything to do which might involve him to work on the Sabbath. Which is interesting because you heard that lady say that she that the other she knows Jewish ladies who work all the time and then they go out to eat. They go out to eat and have other people cook for them. So they're breaking the law. Yeah. Off with their heads. <laughs> okay, so you could not increase heat on the Sabbath, though nothing could nothing could be cooked. So they take Leviticus thirty five as you can't stoke the fire. You can't increase the heat, but you can kind of keep it so where it's at. A, a reminder as we're talking about this, this is, Leah is not talking about biblical rules or laws. This is what had evolved over and time. And this is what has evolved. Yes, has evolved over time as far as following the strictest form of not laboring on the Sabbath. Yeah. An egg could not be boiled by putting it near a hot kettle, nor in a cloth. Nor in sand heated by the sun. <laughs> I didn't know you could cook an egg that way. Cold water could be poured on warm, but not the reverse. One rabbi went so far as to forbid throwing warm water on your body, lest you either, either spread a vapor or clean the floor. Oh, Because wow. you, you can't clean the floor. No. If you spill milk on the Sabbath, y'all going to just smell it till the next That's day. That's nasty. I don't think God. I think... Cleanliness is I think it's to work to smell stinky milk. It is hard work, isn't it? All right, let's bring up a video. I got a couple Jewish people here who are going to tell you a little bit more on modern Jewish. But here's the thing. When you hear the modern Jewish take on uh, what they do, um, uh, then you can kind of get a, a view of what happened in the past. So here, here are crock pots and hot plates. One of the uh, very interesting things you'll see in every Orthodox home, uh, if you come for Shabbat, is a crock pot and perhaps a iron hot plate uh, called the blech, all these different things that uh, mark a unique way of cooking. So what is this all about? What, why do Jews have this unique way of cooking on Shabbat? Uh, well, the answer is to, to really appreciate this, you need to have seen uh, real wood ovens, uh, places where they cook with wood and coals, and you see how 
alive the fires. It's just fascinating to look at. It captures you. The 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 burning coals uh, are just are just you know it's as if they have a life of their own. Uh, and the rabbis knew that it's so easy if you have something cooking on Shabbat to just blow a little bit and and make the fire come to life. If you are faced with the prospect of a cold Shabbat lunch, uh, if you just open and blow a bit, uh, it might be uh, very tempting to do that because uh, it's going to heat up your food and it's really easy to do. So the rabbis were concerned that if someone leaves an exposed fire uh, and, and allows for their food to cook on it, it, they, it will lead to a violation of the Torah prohibition on uh, igniting or enhancing a fire on Shabbat. So they made three rules uh, that have to do with this concept. Uh, and th three rules that really have to do with the idea of not wanting people to interact with fire on Shabbat. One is Shehiya. Shehiya means there's a prohibition on uh, leaving on an open fire an uncooked item. So everything that's cooked before Shabbat, technically speaking, from the Torah, you'd be allowed to put a completely uncooked uh, piece of, say, meat or any other dish on the fire right before Shabbat and let it cook on Shabbat since you've done the putting on right before Shabbat. However, uh, the rabbi said it's forbidden to put it on unless it's already cooked to the extent that it can be eaten, though in a minimal way. So if... For example, you uh, have food that's already half cooked or third cooked, whatever, there are different opinions. Uh, so then you can keep it on when, sh when candle lighting time comes. But if not, then you cannot. The other things, the other rule, this rule that the rabbis made is called uh, hatmana, which means you are not allowed to uh, submerge something in a heating agent during Shabbat. So for example, un unless it's something that's neutral, meaning unless you're wrapping your pot with blankets, but if you're gonna submerge your pot into something that's gonna heat it on Shabbat, you, uh, you, there, there are all kinds of prerequisites to do that because otherwise people would get themselves busy with the coals and moving the coals and would end up cooking on Shabbat. Hence the crock pots. Uh, so to overcome this issue, issue, many people use crockpots because the rabbi said that if there's a way to guarantee that in no way in the world will you see the flame or will you be able to increase it, in that case it is permitted to leave something on Shabbat or even to keep it uh, somewhat submerged. Uh, so this is the reason many people have crockpots on Shabbat since the fire, the heating agent, is not, uh, is not seen. You can't see the, the, the flame. And also they tape or they fixate somehow the adjuster that you can't increase the heat on Shabbat. So that is uh, the way to get around it. So again, the rabbi said that- the way, Note that he says the way to get around it. A lot of these things that we're listening to and we're learning- And he's laughing. Is that, and exactly, these, the, the, when you have to follow the letter of a law, you are not following the spirit you're of it. You're not. And here's the thing. If you're trying to get around something, you're not doing it. Bingo. You're not doing it. If your mom and dad ask you to do something, you're like, well, I'm just going to go around it. Right. You're not doing it. So either God asked you to do it right. and it's joyful or you can do it or he didn't ask you to do it. Right. Is that it? Uh, you can you can stop that there. Yeah. I want to go to what time are we at? Uh, let's see. Ooh, oh, shoot. 
Oh, okay. Um, well, we can make it a two-parter. Let's do that. Okay. I don't know if I have So we'll finish parts, it tonight. We can work on it. We, I think we can. All right. Yeah. All right. So Orthodox Jews. I want to go to uh, 14 surprising things. And here is another way that a modern Jewish people... I'm so excited for you to watch this video about how we prepare for Shabbat. Awesome. Although at first it may come across as restrictive, but Orthodox Jewish families and others who celebrate Shabbat count down the days of the week to welcome Shabbat and celebrate this holy day. It's a time... I do want to uh, put... As, some of these rules are a little restrictive, but for a lot of these families, they enjoy doing this. They enjoy the... They enjoy the rules. They enjoy, and here's the, this is what we're going to get to at the end of this. I just want to want to put in here. If God calls you to do something, and if you want to do this, then you should do it. I'm not telling you not to, okay? I'm just telling you the way that, that think, people do things, and then Michelle and I are going to sum it up at the end. Yeah. I'm spent with families coming together, and the noise of the world quiets for 25 hours. It's a time spent building relationships and strengthening bonds where God is at the forefront. Hi everyone and welcome back to Sonia's Prep. My name is Sonia and this channel is all about my Orthodox Jewish life where I share with you my Shabbat meal preps and holiday inspirations and general tips and tricks on managing the many things that we have on our Pause plate. just real quick there. I want to give you guys a, 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 a kind of, a, a, I'm going to jump in here for, so... Uh, Talmudic Judaism forbids the use of motor vehicles, electricity, telephones on the Sabbath. In a traditional Talmudic observant Jewish home, family members will unhook their telephones, unscrew their light bulbs, tape their switches down so it's not accidentally turned on, because accidents will get you, I don't know, uh, two demerits. Uh, they make an electricity exception for the refrigerators. I'm sure they consulted God on that, um, which they leave plugged in so as to keep from food from spoiling, but... They put tape over the fridge's interior light switch so that the light will not go on when somebody opens the refrigerator door. In Israel, building elevators are set to automatically stop on every floor so that those who enter the elevator do not need to push the elevator button, which is considered work. Wow. Exit videos, don't forget to give them a big thumbs up. This week's video is going to be all about the things that we need to have in place before Shabbat starts because without them, it will be really difficult for us to keep Shabbat. So let's roll up our sleeves and let's get prepping. Because on Shabbat, we do not use any electricity that has not been turned on previously. We have to have certain things in place like having our hot water urn on. So what my husband usually does is he takes it, fills it up and places it right over here on the counter and turns it on before Shabbat about 20 minutes so that it has time to boil. And this way we're able to have hot water with our teas and coffees throughout Shabbat. If you're curious about any of the products that I'm using today in this video, like this hot water urn or my hot plate, I'll have all of the links in the description box of my video. While he's getting the water done, I wanted to talk about the hot plate that we use. So many of you asked me questions, how I heated my food and have warm food on Shabbat. And that is through a hot plate that we turn on right before Shabbat. So everything that I put onto the hot plate has to be cooked. It, nothing can be raw. So everything that you've seen me cook previously in my Shabbat preps, I place onto my hot plate and this way we're able to enjoy them warm on Shabbat. I like that her husband helps. Makes it a family effort. Pause just real quick. So it's not a necessity. So they cannot 
turn on um, the fire or the gas stove, but they can plug in an electric hot plate, just FYI. To have foil covering the hot plate for Sephardim at least, we just do it to ensure that our hot plate stays clean because of all the drippage and all the sauces or oil might be spilling. So I just like to put a foil sheet right over the top. So we have this magnet that was actually uh, introduced to us by the manufacturer of this um, oven or the company that actually sold us this oven. We basically, this is the lever that would turn on the light. So all we do is place this right Boom, over. No lights the there, baby. So in order not to uh, squeezable, so we, I just interchange. There's something about the sponge here. On a daily basis, which is very like porous and absorbs water. We're not allowed to use such a bat, so I make sure to change it out to something like this, which doesn't have any like fabric in it that's um, squeezable. So we, I just interchange these. I put these shabu sponges on, and I take away you know there's either to go into the refrigerator, either go into the light bulb, screw it out. Or you can come over to the place through the light bulb. I'm very excited about it's magnetic, so it sticks to the fridge. It knows when Shabbat is, so, uh, holidays. So 90 minutes before Shabbat, it turns on. The light is always on inside the fridge, so we never have to worry about turning it on and turning it off. Thank I'll show you, you around. It's amazing. It's compatible. To you have to make Shabbat. sure that it's uh, compatible with your fridge as well. Each of the bathrooms, so we just make sure to have all of that in place. So they un they've got another thing that we ready. do paper right ready. before Shabbat start is turn on our lights in our bathrooms. Sometimes you just have those little plug-in lights that we have um, plugging into the wall. They can't turn the lights on because that's where so they just leave them on. But we have these cool devices that we just turn on on Shabbat within each of the bathrooms so that we have light in the bathroom on Shabbat. I know that probably at around this point you're thinking these are some pretty strange laws. Why are you not allowed to do these specific things like cutting, ripping, uh, turning on the fire, turning on a light? Why are you specifically not allowed to do these things? And we are not allowed to do these specific things because all of the actions that we did while building our temple, like cutting, sewing, ripping, um, creating fire, all of these types of things and their extensions. We are not allowed to do them in today's day and age on Shabbat. So that is where this all stems from. There are so many intricacies and so many laws for it. And I'm just giving you a very, very like big overview. And so what I do is I just rip it before Shabbat and I make so a little- she, like, uh, You can't rip the plastic wrap. So she gets it ready and she um, gets already um, cut foil. Plastic wrap. So whenever I need- are connected via smart device which we're very excited about i'll show you how i do that your local hardware store to find so, room. so uh -huh. light goes off mm -hmm. wow and i have a schedule over here it already knows where i need every friday and saturday it'll turn on at 5 p.m and it'll turn off at 11. awesome okay and this is what it looks like when it's in the wall these are the smart is there a specific name for this and we place this over the top, but whenever we actually need light in our room or a guest needs light in our room, all they have to do is lift this portion up, which is not considered muktza, which is, I guess, um... Can't turn the light on, so they cover the light, so they can, but they can lift the thing off the light. An object that we're not allowed to use on Shabbat, like pens or cars or things of that sort. So this is what I go around the house and make sure that times because we are not allowed to obviously use that or adjust that on Shabbat. 
Uh, some families like with oil, which is great. We do that sometimes as well. Uh, when Shabbat is so short, we sometimes don't have uh, so much time to be able to prepare. So these tea lights come in very handy. Either way, it's time to go to synagogue. I'm going to take the kids with me. Shabbat Shalom. You can see how happy During in the Holy Shabbat into okay. my home. I close my eyes and pray for the well-being of my family and anything that my heart desires, like a daughter talking to her father in heaven, God. I was gifted a specific prayer that is said after candlelighting, and I say that as well. I can't explain it into words, but something truly magical happens when I light the Shabbat candles. It's like a sigh of relief where the entire world gets shut out and a tremendous feeling of tranquility envelops me. Okay. All right, so you're noticing a theme with the Orthodox modern Jews that they love their Shabbat. The, and the rules and the regulations that they have put in place, they enjoy them. Right, exactly. Even if they don't make sense to us and even if the idea of Exodus 35 is do not kindle a fire in your house, probably, and so some of the, some of the explanations are, uh, do not kindle a fire in your house pertains to the fire in a dwelling. The igniting and fuel burning of an automobile is done outside of the dwelling. A power plant that burns fuel to provide electricity throughout a home is done outside of the dwelling. Not burning a fire at all anywhere, even outside of the dwelling, is adding to scripture. So you don't want to do that. Okay. So I'll just tell you, if you guys want to watch the rest of today's show. On, if we you're actually watching haven't on gotten to the We have not gotten to the punchline or the meat of this. No pun intended there. So if you want to watch the rest of it, just go to our channel on Brideon.com and you can view the rest of the show see part two. there to see to see kind of the rest of the show. Now, everybody else that's watching live or you're watching this on other platforms, we're really going to break this down into the meat of, of what should you do? Yeah. Um, what does the Bible tell us that we should and should not do? And I'm going to give you the punchline before we even get to it. What you should not do is judge anyone with what they do. Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line, okay? There is no right or wrong answer. And we have scriptures that we're going to bring you guys yeah. to break down. There's no right or wrong answer. If you want to keep the day, keep the day. If you don't want to keep the day, don't keep the day. And we're going to tell you what, where we stand on all of it, okay, what we do. But biblically, we're going to show you you're literally not allowed I already said goodbye to Brian. Oh, oh I'll, I'll okay. end that later. Um, you're literally not allowed to to judge someone else in what they do. So, so go ahead and just, start the clock again because we you never know. It might okay. be another. Well, episode. then I would start and say, "Hey, welcome back." Last hey, week we welcome covered. Back. <laughs> okay, Leah wants to do two shows. That's fine. All right, so. I know that this is kind of confusing for those of you that don't know. We do a Brideon program every Sunday. It's got to be 57 minutes long exactly. So we've exactly. got a timer. So if we're going to break this out in two parts, uh, bear with us on, on, on me being able to break this up a little bit later. So if you're just tuning in, last week you watched us on Brideon and we were breaking down the Sabbath and whether we should celebrate it, how we should celebrate it, what day we should celebrate it on. So we're going to continue that discussion. And again, like I just said, Earlier, if you're watching last week, just said like as in five seconds ago, the crux of it all that we're going to show you scriptures on is God did not make man for the Sabbath, but Sabbath for the man and honoring the spirit of the Sabbath is what we are commanded to do. Exactly. So what I set out to do today was um, to present to you guys why some people still keep the Sabbath. 
why some people feel like they've got to, to, to shut off the lights and cook all the meals on Friday and to give respect and honor to those who do the, the Shabbat and, and the Sabbath and to do that. Now we're going to go into the New Testament and we're going to go and, 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 and the question will be answered. Do you need to? Do you have to? Because we just read a whole bunch Is of scriptures. Is it a sin if you don't? We just read a whole bunch of scriptures on keeping Death. the Sabbath. If you, you got to keep the Sabbath, you, you got to keep the cut Sabbath. off the head. And Goodbye. No more. If, if you're just you reading no more. those scriptures, then Lord have mercy on all of our souls, right? Let's move on to uh, more on, on, the, on the blog here. If I scroll down here to... So we read Matthew 20. We read Matthew 12. All right, here we are. Strictly speaking... The only commandments, never go back to the New Testament, Jesus broke on the Sabbath, belong to a Jewish tradition. What we just watched on the video, those are Jewish traditions. All of us can giggle at covering the light and uncovering the light because that's not in the Bible. Right. That, that's, not, that's not a biblical thing. That's not something God said. And nowhere would God, in his infinite wisdom... Say to say to people, you can keep your refrigerator running and electricity to your refrigerator, but turn off the light. I would take it a step further. I'd be like, God, be like, your electricity is not of me. It's all satanic. We're just gonna, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you're gonna turn off some electricity, and that's when G, that's when in the New Testament, and those were Jewish people, and they don't have the New Testament. They don't. They're not Jesus people, so they're not required. But. Paul says, if you're going to keep some of the law, you got to keep all of it. Just rip out the electricity because it ain't worth it, right? All the food, the refrigerator's got to turn off. Everything's turning off. There's no light. There's no nothing. Okay. There's no putting over the, there's no keeping the light on. Right. Okay. That's, here's the thing. The, the, the meaning behind the kindling of the fire is that you're keeping it going. And so if you keep your light on, you're keeping it going. Right. It's silly. It's silly. Okay. But if you feel like that's what you're going to do and, and that makes your, your house run, then then do it. And we're going to get to, to that. If you feel like doing that, do it. I'm not going to tell you not to do it. Okay? All right. So, strictly speaking, the only commandments Jesus broke on the Sabbath belong to the Jewish tradition, not divine law. In their zeal to f define exactly what a person could and could not do on the Sabbath, Jewish leaders laid on the people's back a spiritual burden heavier than the most physical burden. And that you can see that in Matthew um, 23, uh, verse 4. Yes, I want to go there. They tie up heavy cumbers and loads and they put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. And so the, what's, what was supposed to be a day of rest has become a burden mm. because you're having to make sure that you don't do all this stuff. Right. And the whole idea is so that you don't do all the stuff and making sure that you don't do the stuff. It's a burden and it's a stress and it's not God. And he's like, you're, you're hurting people. All right. Jesus attacked such traditions with the vehemence of one who saw more clearly than any that the Sabbath was made for the man, not the man for the Sabbath. If we could remove the chapter and go ahead and talk about what that means. What is what does it mean for the Sabbath to be made for the man, not the man for the Sabbath? So all these rules and laws around it makes it seem like God's God needs us to honor the Sabbath for him. That's man being made for the Sabbath. Like I need I made mankind to to make me feel XYZ and I need you to do this because when you do this, it makes me feel honored, right? 
God made the Sabbath for man to rest and to commune right. with God because he knew that we were going to need those two things. Right. And without it, we would not function well. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, and we're going to get into this, but this is one of the things that I really wanted to highlight on in this, in this program is that when we're talking about the, the Sabbath and these things that God created for us to do or created for us to, to, to be a part of, he's doing this because he loves us. Mm -hmm. And as we think about how we should be acting and, and, and how we are supposed to approach the Sabbath, all of these laws were put into place before we had Jesus mm -hmm. in living inside of us. We are literally the temple. Yeah. So God needed to show the children of Israel a, a parameter of you set aside this day to devote to me because I am not dwelling in you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right. Right. And so it, unfortunately, when we look at the Sabbath and when we analyze all of the law as a whole, we look at the, the people in the Old Testament as if they had God living inside of them yeah. like we do. So you have to put it into context to understand that a lot of these laws were made because not a lot of them, all of them. All of the law was made so that man could get as close to God as possible because our sins and disobeying the laws keep us far away from him. But when he is literally dwelling inside of us, then we fulfill the law yeah. by acting out all of the principles of Christianity. Yeah. Okay. And we see that Jesus said, and Leah, I'm sure Leah is going to get to this in her blog, when he talks about the greatest commands, mm -hmm. all of the in, in all of these two commands, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, all of the law is summed up in those two things. Right. When you have Jesus living inside yeah. of you. So there's two different things. You have to put this into context. And, and this is a very hard thing to put your cap into, to put your brain into. These people did not have Jesus living inside of them when the law was created. And we do. So I'm not going to answer that question for you, but what does that mean yeah. for you? Yeah. What does that mean? Carry for you? on. That's, re that's really good. All right. So if we can move to the next chapter break between 11, the, if we, if we could remove the chapter break between Matthew 11 and Matthew 12, we might notice in the context immediately preceding the Sabbath controversies of Matthew chapter 12, these words in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then we immediately go into the Sabbath. Okay. So he is trying to say, all you who labor and are heavy laden, all you who are working, come to me. I love you. I want to take care of you. I want to make sure that you, you have everything. I that will you need. give you the Sabbath rest. I, I am your essentially your preparation day. <laughs> Right, exactly. I will give you that. All right. So um, the rest offered on the Sabbath was now being offered in Christ. 
Jesus didn't come to abolish the, the, the law, but to fulfill it. Let's highlight that really quickly, because this is important as we go, as we move forward, because we've highlighted how important the Sabbath is. And as we continue to talk, we are not going to shove the Sabbath aside now that Jesus is here. We're going to highlight it to the nth degree because Jesus came to actually fulfill that Sabbath rest, not to abolish it, not to get rid of it. Oh, well, we just don't have to celebrate the Sabbath anymore because Jesus came right? But what was Jesus fulfilling and what does that look like in us? The Sabbath is not for God, but for man. God put up parameters for his people, but just like with the woman caught in adultery, he showed the people the essence of what he was going for, repentance and forgiveness. You know, the woman caught in adultery, she was thrown down onto the ground and the people said, Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery. Pick up a stone and stone her with us. And Jesus, he knelt down, he, he wrote something in the, in the ground, in the dirt. We don't know what it was. But then he said, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. There are many theories to what he wrote in the ground. My I have a guess. My guess would be he wrote the first name of a chick the guy was sleeping with. <laughs> That's my guess. And, then, and, and nobody, everybody put their stones down. And then he said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Because the essence of the law, the Ten Commandments, was just he doesn't want you to do those things, but he loves you and he wants you to come back to him. Okay? He showed us even, and then he goes on to say that, that in, in, the, in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery. But Jesus is like, you guys don't even get it. Even, if you look at that woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. And what I want you to do... Pluck out your eye. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand's going to cause you to sin, cut it off. You don't even, you don't know what I'm trying to tell you guys. What, it, what I'm saying, don't commit adultery. I'm, I'm telling you guys, here's the thing. You're not going to commit adultery if you don't even lust after somebody. Okay? And the reason we have these harsh punishments is because I'm trying to keep you on the straight and narrow. These, these punishments of death are trying, they're, they're, I don't want to do them. I don't want to do them. They're supposed to be a deterrent so that you would never even think about it. Right. Okay. It wasn't like this is the way that the people viewed what Jesus was saying. You have a lust to kill this woman in adultery. The whole point of the death penalty for adultery was to keep anybody, just keep you all so afraid from doing it. That's it. That's it. Jesus, Jesus is like, you guys don't get it. Right. So with the Sabbath, you know, I played those videos. And did you notice something with the Jewish people? And God bless these Jewish people. They don't have Jesus. They don't have the Messiah with them. They're still looking for the Messiah. I don't know if you guys were with us with the first video with the first Jewish woman who said that they look forward all week to the Shabbat. That they feel like they, they have some extra soul. They feel that way. And that they can just touch God for a moment. And she said, wouldn't it be silly to just have somebody do Shabbat during the week? That is your tell. Jesus came to be our Shabbat. Every, every day. day of the week. Now, just to, to go back to the title that you had me call today's show. Um, and I added biblical breakdown in front of it. But should Christians keep the Sabbath Saturday, Sunday, or no day? And again, I'm going to give a punchline. Because I can't help it. It's important to understand where we're going with this um, as you listen. It's not Saturday, Sunday, or no day. 
it's Saturday, Sunday, or every day. All right. Okay, so um, here, here we are. Um, with the Sabbath, he wants our heart all day, every day. The laws around the Sabbath were a type and a shadow. He who wants to keep a day, they should keep it, but it's not required. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. And this, for a lot of people who enjoy, there are a lot of people out there who enjoy rules. They enjoy staying in a box. They enjoy doing, and you know what? Some people are led by God to get close to God and have that day of rest. I know that we have done Sabbath day rest and mm -hmm. it's been God. We've done, there are times when we would just, every Saturday we went to our friends for a fire pit outside, by the way. And, um, we would usually make the food or have somebody else make it before sundown. Mm -hmm. Like, and like we were doing this, but not consciously. I'll, we'll find ourselves, uh, we found ourselves doing the Feast of Tabernacles in Plymouth mm -hmm. a couple years in a row at the exact time that the Feast of Tabernacles where you're supposed to leave your house and go, you know. We took um, a 3,000 mile bicycle trip. And on that bicycle trip, every single Sunday, we did not bicycle anywhere. Or if it wasn't a Sunday, if we if we didn't take the rest on Sunday, it would be the next day. Because sometimes mm -hmm. we would need to bicycle on a Sunday. Yeah. It might be the next day. It right. was every, you know, usually around every seven or eight days. Because it would not be good right. to keep biking every single day, you know, between 50 and 100 miles a day. Right. Exactly. It would not be good for your body. So Colossians 2, verse 16. So let no one judge you in food or drink or regard or in regarding a festival or a new moon or the Sabbath. So Sabbath is plural because those are weekly Sabbaths. Okay. Which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. Now, I would think that this is a very cut and dry scripture. Okay. So during the first three years after Jesus died. You might not know this. It's, it's interesting. I learned this a couple years ago. The Gentiles weren't coming in yet. It was strictly gospel to the Jews. Yeah. Jewish people who were going to the temple, who were going to the synagogue, who were circumcising their children, who were, who were not eating foods, living sacrificed to, to idols. Law. They were living according to the law. But something happened when Paul, well, it was three years later and, and, and Cephas, Peter, has a vision. And there's all these different animals, unclean animals. And God, Jesus tells him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he says, not so, Lord. I haven't eaten anything unclean ever. He goes, what I've called clean, don't call unclean. Go and visit Cornelius. Because you couldn't, a Jewish person couldn't go into the home of an unbeliever. And Cornelius was praying and fasting. But he was an unbeliever. He was a Gentile. And he was asking, and God said, go and, and tell Cornelius and his family about, about Jesus. So he does, and everyone there starts speaking in tongues. And the disciples, who had not yet seen one Gentile come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, looked at each other like, just like, like this, like, <laughs> I thought he was our Messiah. Okay, I get. Now, and then I think uh, all of the scriptures started uh, to flood their, their well, minds. Well, should we forbid them from being baptized? Because they're saved, man. They knew. They got the Holy Ghost. They had to know, obviously. because And they could feel it. When Jesus came uh, at, came back and revealed himself in the scriptures yeah. after he had died and rose again, yeah. I'm fairly confident he broke down the parts where the Gentiles will come. Right. So they had to know that it was coming. They just hadn't seen it yet. Right. 
So Paul's ministry, uh, he jumps in, he's fresh, he's ready to go. And he's recognizing that the Gentiles are getting saved because the Gentiles started to get saved under Peter. Mm-hmm. And then, and then once it's, it just, the gospel started to spread like wildfire once the Gentiles just started hearing about this Messiah. Right. Okay. So Paul later on, re, he, Paul's trying to do what Peter and the rest of them are, are, what they were doing. What they were doing was what they felt like Jesus called them to do was going from some from synagogue to synagogue, preaching that Jesus is the Messiah. And then they would go into these different towns and these Gentiles would hear of this Messiah. And there, and so it, it, what Paul found was that he kept getting kicked out of the synagogues. He was chased out. They um, would call the Roman authorities on him. He was beaten. He was, and he was like, finally, I'm just going to the Gentiles. I'm not even going to mess with you people. Just, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Okay. So uh, I want to read Colossians 2 one more time. Let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. Now, why would he say that? Because we have two rivers converging. And each river has different fish in it. <laughs> and these fish are like, do I belong in this river with these fish? And it's two completely different cultures. So what was happening is as the Gentiles are getting saved and joining in um, what the is early a church. Jewish religion. Right. But, th- but so they're, they're joining the early church. They're becoming a part of it. And the Jews were then telling them, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to follow Christ, then because you, need to start then you the have to start us. keeping the law with us. Mm-hmm. And so Paul in classic Paul, you know, way is writing these letters to break up this kind of feud yeah. of of who's the, the the one people are saying no Christ has come we don't have to sell we don't have to we're not required to follow the law right and then the Jews are saying some of them are saying no we have to follow the law so Paul breaks it down and says let me tell you and I think that's what Leah's gonna get to yeah so I'm gonna skip ahead if you go, go scroll down with me to Acts 15 and we're gonna go back up we're gonna go to Acts 15 where and this is this kind of stuff here is so exciting to me. Doing these deep dives. Right. Right? I absolutely love these things. So here we I want to set the stage. Set the stage there. The two rivers are converging. And the 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 apostles are gotta to meet together because they're like, what do we do? <laughs> because these people don't know anything. Do we are we circumcising these guys? Like, are we making them do what we're doing? Like but Jesus came to fulfill it, and we are so confused. What do we do? So Acts 15 describes the most important meeting the early church had, okay, ever had. And this is where the two viewpoints diverge, you guys. There are people who say, we have dear friends, I keep the Sabbath and some of the food laws uh, because and the, feasts. and the feast because Jesus did. I want to do that. It means something to me. Do it. Okay. But do you make other people do it? And is it a sin if other people don't, don't do it? So they met, they, they met to discuss these things. Thank God that they wrote them down. They wrote down the future of the church. Uh, the future of the church was at stake. Was it going to be a Jewish Christian group? Or was it going to allow in Gentiles who were not Jewish? And weren't going to, you know, if the Gentiles could enter in the church without following the Jewish laws... 
the church would attract more Gentiles. Eventually, Gentiles would become the majority. The church would no longer be a sect of Judaism, but its distinct faith. Let's see how the Council of Jerusalem developed. The Council, and this is, I'm reading this from um, uh, Paul uh, Kroll, a journalist working with the Grace Communion uh, International. All right. So the council comes in the center of Luke's inspired history, the book of Acts. His book begins with the Jewish church dominated by Peter in chapters one through five. The book ends with Paul's mission to the Gentiles in chapters 16 through 28. And it's really fun if you can ever read through the book of Acts with like a commentary to kind of show you how the church was developing. And it's even cooler if you can pick out what books were written during which time in Acts. You mm. kind of put yourself in there and figure things out. All right, so chapters 6 through 15 form this transition alternating between Jewish and Gentile growth. Chapter 15, the Council of Jerusalem forms the climax of this, tra this transition, this meeting of these two rivers between Jewish and Gentile evangelism. In the story flow, the council forms the decisive step that propels the Gentile mission into dominance. Paul and Barnabas had returned from a successful missionary trip in Gentile areas. They told the church in Antioch how God had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles in uh, chapter 14, verse 27. Thus, the stage is set for chapter 15. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you can't be saved. Verse, verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 1. They were saying that circumcision was required for salvation. They probably thought the question was simple. The Christians should obey God and God had commanded the circumcision. And if people want, Jesus said, obey my commands if you love me. Um, if people want uh, the blessings of Abraham, they should act like children of Abraham. And that meant circumcision for Gentiles as well as for Jews. You can see that in Genesis uh, 17, 12. Paul and Barnabas had a different opinion. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with him. I love that we're having this discussion. Yeah. They had the discussion then. We don't need to have it now. They did. That's really good. Okay. How was the argument resolved? Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. In this way, the church could unify. So the church sent them on their way. And as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This made news. This, this news made all the believers very glad. Verse three, Luke is letting us know that most Christians supported the Gentile mission. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. There were miracles that kept happening. These people were coming to know Jesus and we didn't make them keep the Sabbath. They're sick. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. What God had done was part of the evidence. The miracles and the conversions supported what he was saying. Then they debated. They debated. They had the debate. What's the question here? Some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, there were believers, Jewish believers, they're part of Pharisees. They stood up and they said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. So Moses is the one who set down. Yes, I, I realize that some people go back to Genesis, but Moses went back to, and he's like, listen, this, it was Moses who, who really laid down the law. This is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to keep the Sabbath. Okay. So certainly Exodus 35, about keeping the Sabbath, and you don't even kindle a fire during the Sabbath, and all these different things. The only thing that God did on the seventh day was rest. Rest from his works. Rest from his work. Now, what does that mean? Then it gets broken down, and then in, in Exodus 35, which talks about the fire, they're actually talking about building the, the tabernacle later on. So was it, you know, there's a lot of 
iffy things there. Do you, do you? So here we see that they also believe that laws of Moses were required. Circumcision was the first step in the process. They believe that Christians must keep all the laws of Moses. What were these laws? Were they biblical laws or the unbiblical traditions of the elders? Now, would the new Jewish believers be keeping the traditions even though, because Jesus was very adamant against the traditions. Right. He threw those traditions out. He sunk them in the toilet, flushed them down the drain. He threw, he just threw them out. But what about the law? The, 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 just, just the basics of the law, right? There's no basics of the law, by the way. Too many. Uh, in every other New Testament mention of the laws of Moses, the biblical books of Moses are meant, um, all the books of Moses. From, 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 here's the thing. Moses wrote Genesis. Moses wrote Genesis. Right. The laws of Moses are all the books. Not the law. Everything. The Torah. The five books. Everything there. Okay? You got to keep it all. So the biblical books of Moses are meant. That's in Luke 22. You can see it. You can see it. That's what it means. Luke could have said traditions. But he didn't. They were arguing over the laws of Moses. Anyone who knew the teachings of Jesus would already know the unbiblical traditions were not required of anyone. They did not need to debate about Jewish traditions. Just as circumcision was biblical, so also were the laws of Moses. The claim was that the Gentile believers should be circumcised and then, as part of the covenant people of God, obey the laws of the covenant. One of the laws of Moses was that males were to be circumcised. Today, we might explain that Jesus instituted a new covenant and that the Jewish believers were God's people, not because they were Jewish, but because they were believers. Membership in the new covenant is by faith, not by ancestry. But the Jewish council did not approach the question from this perspective. Let's see how they did it. The apostles and the elders met to consider the question. Perhaps dozens of elders were involved. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them and says, Brothers, you, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Peter reminded the people that God had used him to preach the gospel to Cornelius and his family in Acts 10, all the way back in Acts 10. And as far as we know, Cornelius was not circumcised. But Peter did not use that precedent as proof. Rather, he focused on the theological foundations of how a person is saved in believing. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. God gave the Holy Spirit to this uncircumcised family, purifying their hearts, pronouncing them holy as acceptable before him because of their faith. Now, Cornelius had been keeping, trying to keep the law, mm -hmm. but his whole family, it doesn't mean that his whole family did, right? Right. His whole family got filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. Peter then began to scold the people who wanted the Gentiles to obey the laws of Moses. Now, then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that what? Neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear. When you're looking at the, do I turn on the light switch? Do I, what if I can't get dinner made the day before? Do we go hungry? Do we just eat cold cuts? Do I unplug the refrigerator? Do I not have a fire? These are burdens to bear. Right. If you have the time and you want to make a meal the day beforehand and you want to take a death day of rest, you do it. But you don't allow it to be a burden. It's not God. It's not holy. Get a little fired up here. It's just like Peter. He's angry. Don't put a yoke on anybody that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear. Don't make those women sit down for five or seven days on a thing while they're having that time of the month. No. 
We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. Peter's point is that the yoke of Moses was a burden that the Jewish people were not able to keep successfully. Those rituals showed that no matter how hard people worked, they could never be perfect. They showed for anyone who ever wondered that works can never lead to salvation. Salvation is attained in a different way by grace. Since the law of Moses cannot bring us salvation, there's no need to require the Gentiles to keep it up. God gave them the Holy Spirit. If we follow Peter's logic, we will see that the Jewish believers do not have to keep the laws of Moses either. They are saved by grace through faith, just as the Gentiles are. The old covenant is obsolete, so its laws are no longer required for anyone. And that is why Peter could live like a Gentile. One of my, we're going to get to this in Galatians, where Paul calls out Peter. You are living like a Gentile. I'll be seeing you. What are you trying to do over here? Acting like, and then he goes over, and then you acting like you keeping the law over here. But I see you acting like a Gentile over here. What is your problem, Peter? Come on. Okay, but uh, all right, here we go. After Barnabas and Paul told about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles in uh, Acts 15, 12, James spoke up. I love James. As a leader of the Jerusalem church, he had a lot of influence. Some of the Judaizers, the guys who were trying to make everybody act like them, even claimed him as their authority in Galatians 2.12. But Luke tells us that James was in complete agreement with Peter and Paul. Listen to me, Simon. Peter has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The fact that God has already acted was powerful evidence. James then quoted from the Greek translation of Amos to show that, that scripture agreed with what was happening. He could have used uh, other Old Testament prophecies too about Gentiles being included among God's people. Experience and scripture pointed to the same conclusion. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. There is no need to require the yoke of Moses. That would be unnecessary. Then James then suggested four rules. Now, this is it, y'all. This is what the council, when they were talking about keeping the laws of Moses and everything, and the Sabbath would have been included in this. The Sabbath was so important. We just talked about how the Sabbath was so important. Do you think he's going to, he's going to list four things and he's going to leave out some important thing later that's just random that no New Testament person tells you that you need to do? Not one time in any of the epistles do any apostles tell you to keep the Sabbath. Not one time. Here is it. This is it. This is it. This is what our are, are the apostles who laid down this is what they're like okay what did God really mean what did Jesus really mean this is it this is the four follow this follow me instead we should write to them telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols from sexual immorality from the meat of strangled animals and from blood Instead of making things difficult for the Gentiles, these four rules would be enough. Did you see in there that they keep the Sabbath? No. The Sabbath would have been so, it was so important to them. But he didn't tell them to keep the Sabbath. He literally goes on to say, if you want to keep a Sabbath day, you can. They go on to say that Paul says this. All right. Obviously, Gentile believers, believers should not lie. They should not steal. They should not murder. They already knew that. So they didn't need a special reminder about that. But why then these four rules? Some scholars say the Jews believe that these laws dated back to the time of Noah and therefore applied to all nations. Others say that the, all four rules were associated with idolatry. Some say that these four rules were laws of Moses that were given uh, so Gentiles and Jews could eat together. However, the decree makes it clear that Gentiles do not have to be circumcised, nor do they have to obey the laws of Moses. 
They are circumcised spiritually, not physically. Um, now, uh, I think I want to go down to the Judaizers and talk about this with Paul. Despite the decree of the apostles and the elders in the church of Jerusalem, the Judaizers continue to preach the need of the Gentiles to conform to the law of Moses after they made this decree. Within a few years of the conference in Jerusalem, the Judaizers are seen actively in areas of Asia Minor and Greece. We see this concern manifest in Paul's letter to the Galatians, written to churches in the southern Central Asia Minor around 55 to 57 AD. In this letter, Paul first defends his apostleship and declares his authority, demonstrating that the message he preaches comes from God. He then speaks of the hypocrisy of Peter. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Who first associated with the Gentile Christians, but then became aloof when some Jewish Christians from Jerusalem came. Now, you want to read this? When Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. This is embarrassing. Because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the, Gent himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group, the ones that had to follow the law. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, Peter, in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Who, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. So we too have put on our faith, have put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, but because because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Exactly. So then um, Paul writes a very strong rebuttal. Um, uh, um, let's see. Oh, wait, where are we are? Did I, did I? You went, you went back up. I went too far. You need to go back down. No, 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 no. We're at for freedom. Yeah. Did Christ set us free? Where am I? Okay, yeah. Paul then chides the Gentile, the Galatians, calling them foolish Galatians, demonstrating very clearly that the original covenant was made with Abraham looking towards Christ in Galatians 3. The law of Moses was therefore designed to be a tutor, leading men to the knowledge of sin and the death to be ready for the coming in the faith to Christ, in whom all men are now equal. Finally, Paul makes a plain declaration to the Gentile Christians in Galatians 5. Right here? Yeah. For freedom did Christ set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and be not entangled again in a yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will profit you nothing. Yea, I testify again to every man that receives circumcision, that he is a debtor to do the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You would be justified by the law. You are fallen away from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails or accomplishes anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith working through love. 
Uh, and then the Judaizers seem to enter Corinth around 57 AD between the writing of the first and second Corinthians letters. They seem to have uh, been accepted rather quickly, leveling charges against Paul that he wasn't a true apostle, having no uh, uh, commendation from Jerusalem as they did, and that he was not a qualified speaker. And that since he did not take assistance from the Corinthian brethren, this was somehow a detriment to his validity as an apostle. Paul writes a very strong rebuttal to these charges. He establishes that his letters of commendation are the members of the church in Corinth, from whom Paul worked diligently. He then demonstrates how the spirit is much more powerful than the law written on tablets. Later, he describes himself as meek when present, but bold through his letters. That he is the same person in present as he is in the letters and is equal to many of the most eminent apostles in knowledge. He then says that he uh, robbed from other churches to work with the Corinthians and says the following concerning a comparison of himself to the Judaizers. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they the ministers of Christ? I speak as one beside myself. I more. In labors more abundantly, in prisons more abundantly, in stripes above measure, in deaths often. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwrecked. And he goes on and on and on. Paul speaks that the reaction of the Corinthians regarding his lack of receiving any assistance from them is, I have become foolish. You compelled me. For I ought to have been, commend, uh, I ought to have been commended of you. For in nothing was I behind in the very cheapest of apostles and signs and wonders. So Paul goes on to talk about himself even though the Judy as, as, as an apostle, even though the Judaizers were saying, you're not, you're not really one of us. Now I want to go up to, um, back up to Hebrews chapter four, because I, I believe that I'm going to read Colossians two one more time in the light of what we just read. So let no one judge you in food or drink and regarding to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are what Michelle, a shadow of, of things, things to, to come. come. So the food things, that was a shadow of Christ. The, the the festivals, they were a shadow of Christ. Keep them if you want. And scroll down. You can see the highlighted. Uh, well, you just highlighted that. Okay, you can find refresh it. it. And the substance of things of Christ, we're going to get into that right now with Hebrews chapter 4. Now, I was thinking this was funny. When it comes to the rest of the commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery. I don't think that th that, that I've ever seen anybody say, that was a shadow of things to come. Right. You may now commit adultery. Right. Don't don't let anybody judge you with who you're sleeping around with mm -hmm. because that's a shadow of things to come. Right. No, that's not it. It's uh it's not that far down. I know. I'm, Hebrews I'm chapter four explains this well. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith with those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter into that rest, as he has said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter in my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has spoken in a certain place on the seventh uh, day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter in. And do you want to just bring up Hebrews? Because it's not that far down. It's fine. Leah, it's I, well, they, so I just thought they you could really read along. I, I'm trying to get there. I I'm thought, if get you just there. bring up Hebrews chapter 4. Okay. So they can read Hebrews okay. chapter 4. 
um, because it's really They're up. hearing you say it. Okay, I know, but they want to read it along. They, they do. do. Yeah. Leah knows you guys want to read it along. Okay. Since therefore it remains that some must enter in, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter in because of disobedience, again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, today, after such a long time, as it has been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. We're in verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward had spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So if you're going back to Genesis, if you have entered into his rest, which you have, you have ceased from your works because it was a type and shadow, not of your works of picking up a, tab, a pen, but of your works to be good, to be righteous, to be holy, because you can't work your way into heaven. It was a type and example. So if you want to keep a Sabbath and cease from working, the one thing you have to keep in mind is I have ceased from working because Christ himself, the living King and the living God lives in me. I have ceased completely from my works because without him, I ain't going to heaven and they had to keep every taught taught and diddle hopefully to get some righteousness to go into abraham's bosom and hopefully to make it to heaven they had to keep the works and the sabbath which was one of the most important works that they had to keep but when you go back to genesis and if you say that it predates genesis or it predates uh the law and the manna, and goes back to Genesis. Honey child, here we are. We're right at Genesis. I'm going to read it one more time. 8, verse 8. You going to read verse 8? For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another, another day. day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his your job from today on is not to keep sun down sun up do it if you want to enter into his rest you know there's another scripture that says labor into rest why do we labor into rest because we're laboring into God manifesting himself in our lives it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives within me and I think that honestly um, and I keep referring to it as preparation day. We learned that from the Bible, what preparation day was. Um, as far as the women wanting to anoint Jesus once he was in the, the tomb and everything like that. But it's just called preparation day. We, we see it in, in Hebrew roots and we see it in the Jewish people. On Friday, they get everything ready. Mm -hmm. They're laboring into, into rest. rest. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. I have goosebumps. And so when Lee and I set out to do this show, and I don't know how much more we're going to get into um, scripture wise, and let's do a little time check here. Uh, when we set out to do this show, the main primary goal was to take what you think you ought to do for the Sabbath a lot further than what you're doing. Let us, yeah. Let, Every yeah. single day. Yeah. You should be entering into this rest, not just one day, not just Saturday from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday, or yeah. not just all day on Sunday. Y'all got to be doing this the idea, every day. The idea is to just, is verse 11, let us be diligent to enter into that Sabbath rest. 
Let us be diligent to enter into that Sabbath rest. This is the Sabbath rest. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Because the disobedience, the hardening of the hearts, the not keeping the Sabbath, belabor into that entering into the rest where you're ceasing from your works every day and you're just following him. Every day, Christ, what do you want me to do today? I love you. Let me serve you. It is I picking up. I no longer, it's no longer I who live, but you who live within me. I am, I, I am a stranger in this land. We are a team. We are the body of Christ. It's not like I'm going to do work on my 401k. I'm going to do, if I'm going to do that, it's going to be because you've asked me to do that. Anything you do, you're doing now because of Christ every single day. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even for the division of soul and spirit and the joints of marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to his eyes. Verses 9 and 10 are clear. We have entered into that rest like God did when he rested on the seventh day. Everything points to Christ. The law goes one mile. Christ takes it to infinity. Exactly. We can enter into that rest and should enter that Sabbath rest not just one day a week. The physical rest of the body attending the temple. It was all a type of the shadow of the rest from our own works. It is no longer I who live but Christ in me. Some people feel that God wants them to rest on Saturdays and they should if they are led by God. Others rest on Sundays. Others take a rest when God leads them. The Sabbath commandment is fulfilled in Christ and now Christians are to live in that all the time. What Paul says here is remarkable. For he lumps the Sabbath together with food laws, festivals like the Passover, and new moons. All of these constitute a shadow that anticipate Christ's coming. And since Christ has now come, the observance of the Sabbath is no longer a matter of obedience or disobedience. That's the point. Mm. Okay. Rather, Paul says, let no one pass judgment on you. Now, listen to this. We're going to go to Romans 14 now. We're going to compare it to Exodus 31, 14. You shall keep the Sabbath because... It is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. That's Exodus 31, 14. Now, Romans 14 says, One person esteems a day better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. And Paul is writing here, Saying that if you think you got to keep the Sabbath, you got to do it. And if you think you're not supposed to keep the Sabbath, then you ain't got to do it. But Paul obviously lands on the side of you ain't got to do it. But what he's saying is, and he goes on to say, some people are weaker in the faith. If they feel like they have to keep a day, don't make them stop. Because if it's a sin to them, then then, then you got to go with it. Okay. If an old covenant Israelite esteemed all days alike, he might be stoned to death. Yet Paul evidently felt no need to impose the Sabbath command on his Gentile converts. Some in Rome, it seems, wanted to keep the Sabbath. And so they wanted to esteem one, one day, day better, better than, than another. another. Perhaps Jewish Christians eager to maintain the traditions of their fathers. Paul had no issues with those Christians. So long as they didn't, so long as they refrain from pressuring others or intimidate them or suggested that salvation hinged on the obedience of the Sabbath or sin or sin. All right. For this, uh, for the sake uh, of each Christian freedom and mutual love, Paul simply says, says remarkably, let each one be convinced in his own mind. So I'm going to read this Romans 14. One person esteems one day over another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, 
observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, the Sabbath day, to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats pork, shrimp, eats it to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who doesn't eat pork or shrimp does it to the Lord and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself. And no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. If you don't want to eat pork, you do it to the Lord. And if you got them bacon and you thanking God for it, you eat it. And thank God for the bacon. Okay? It's right here in the scripture. It can't be more clear to you. Okay? Than if he had word the word, written the word bacon. Okay? He's talking about the Sabbath. He's talking about the, the ritualistic foods. For if we live, we live in him. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore... Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose again and lived, again and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. Why do you judge your brother? Stop it. That person, I got tons of friends that don't eat pork. And they want to keep a Sabbath day. I love them. Okay? And I got friends who look at me and they love me. I got friends who've helped me with my pigs and helped me castrate my pigs. They're like, you don't, you don't feel like you need to do it? That's fine. Right? For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So then, let each of us give an account to God for to, to, to himself, uh, to, for of, of himself, himself to God. So what he's saying is there are things that are sin. The food, the Sabbath and the festivals, they're not obedience and disobedience. They're not sin either way. Okay. But if you feel led to do something, you've got to do it. Therefore, let us not judge anybody anymore, but rather resolve this. Don't put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in your brother's way. Either way, don't make them stop and don't make them do it. Just kind of love each other in whatever situation you're in. Now, I'm going to go on to Sundays just real quick. John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. So a lot of people, Christians will go, the, 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 a lot of Sabbath keepers will be like, them Christians, they moved the Sabbath to Sunday. You know they did, and Constantine made the Sabbath a Sunday. Now, when Christians today speak of the Sabbath, we I, I kind of learned something new here. It's kind of cool. I love when I learned something new and I share it with you guys. They almost never mean the seventh day, but they mean the first day, not Saturday, but Sunday. Sunday was the first day. Saturday was the seventh day. But surprise, and, and now we've done it all backwards because everybody starts their week on Monday. And, and, yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, but surprisingly, no New Testament writer ever refers to Sunday as the Sabbath. Isn't that interesting? Never. Okay. When the Jewish people and perhaps some Gentile Christians observed the Sabbath, they would have done so on Saturday as Israel had done for centuries. Well, that's not what you learned because we already knew that. No, no, no. I'm going to get to where I learned. Okay. 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 But that doesn't mean Sunday held no special place in the early church. Scripture suggests that it did under, uh, only under a different name, the Lord's Day. So the phrase the Lord's Day appears only in Revelation where the apostle John writes, I was in the spirit on the Lord's Day. Revelation 1.10, but other passages suggest the Lord's Day, simply put, uh, that simply, that suggests the Lord's Day, simply put a name on the church's common practice of gathering on Sunday, the first day of the week. In Ephesus, Paul met with the church on the first day of the week to break bread. Okay, they got together to eat on the first day of the week. Likewise, Paul instructed the Corinthians to set aside some money on the first day of every week. None of these passages shows the early church resting as if they considered Sunday their new Sabbath. 
Richard Buckham goes so far as to write, for the earliest Christians, it was not a substitute for the Sabbath, nor a day of rest, nor related in any way to the fourth commandment. The majority of these early Christians likely needed to work on the first day of the week. Sunday was declared an official day of rest through the Roman Empire only under Constantine in AD 321. The passage of Jews suggests, however, that Christians worshipped on the Lord's day. Perhaps in the morning before work, perhaps in the evening afterwards, they're coming together and, and they're eating some food together on Sundays in the evening. The first day, uh, the first believers gathered to praise the one who rose very early on the first day of the week. So Jesus rose very early on, on Sunday, which is now a Monday to us. Okay. And so they got together on that day because that was the day that Jesus rose again. All right. And so... Um, when the, when the stone was rolled away from Jesus' tomb on Easter morning, uh, true Sabbath day arrested and a new arrived. arrived and a new day dawned. Paul had, has no quarrel with those who desire to set aside the Sabbath on a special day, as long as they do not require it for salvation or insist that other believers agree with him. Those who have seen the Sabbath as a special day are to be honored for their point of view and should not be despised or ridiculed. Others, however, consider every day to be the same. They do not think that any day is more special than another. Those who think this way are not to be judged as unspiritual. Indeed, there is no doubt that Paul held this opinion since he was strong in faith instead of being weak. It is crucial to notice what is being said here. If the notion that every day of the week is the same is acceptable, and if Paul's opinion, if it's Paul's opinion as well, then it follows that Sabbath regulations are no longer binding. The strong must not impose their convictions on the weak and should be charitable to those who hold a different opinion. But Paul clearly has undermined the authority of the Sabbath in principle, for he does not care whether somebody observes a day or as special. He leaves it entirely to a person's opinion. Now I want to talk about just I got a couple before you get to that. You actually don't because oh. the clock was a little I bit weird. I just want to finish. No, 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 no. It. Oh, just... I can't just say. And then the early church okay. fathers actually um, interpreted the Sabbath eschatology and spiritually, and did not see the Lord's Day as a replacement for the Sabbath, but as a unique day. Exactly. And I love that so much. So if you're tuning in on Brideon and you want to finish the rest of the show, you're going to have to go to Brideon.com and watch Leah and I uh, finish this conversation. So I want to be able to say goodbye to the Brideon family because I love them so much. And I love that we're doing these shows for this program on Sunday. And we just learned is the Lord's Day. So to the Brideon people, we love you. God loves you. God bless. Yeah. Tune in on Brideon.com. Everybody yeah. else stick around because we've got more to say. Yeah. Sorry. This is this. When I put this together, I thought, do I have enough for an hour? <laughs> right? But I wanted to just, just to end with this on the early church fathers because what it does is it kind of no, bolsters it. it yes. Right? So most of the early church fathers did not practice or defend the literal Sabbath observance, but interpreted the Sabbath, as we just talked about, eschatologically, like in the future, like future Jesus coming back, and spiritually. They did not see the Lord's Day as a replacement of the Sabbath, but as a unique day. For instance, in the epistle of Barnabas, the Sabbaths of Israel are contrasted with the eighth day. And the letter is described as a beginning of another world. Mm. Barnabas says that we keep the eighth day, which is Sunday, for it is the day also on which Jesus rose again from the dead. The Lord's day was not viewed as a day in which believers abstain from work as it, as was the case with the Sabbath, because it was the first day of the week and everyone worked. Okay. Instead, it was a day in which most believers were required to work, but they took time in the day to meet together in order to worship the Lord. The contrast between the Sabbath and the Lord's day is clear in Ignatius when he writes, 
If therefore those who were brought up in the ancient order of things have come to the possession of a new hope, no longer observing the Sabbath, but living in the observance of the Lord's day, on which also our life has sprung up again by him and by his death, Ignatius writing about AD 110, which John the Revelator would have just died like 10 years before, like 10 or I think he died in like 80, 90 or something like that. Um, specifically contrast the Sabbath with the Lord's day. I mean, it's like, this is, this is, this is AD 110. This is right there in the midst of all, he would have, he, he had, he had, Ignatius was down. Uh, he would have known people who knew Paul or, and, 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 and John and, and all that stuff. So, um, right. Uh, specifically contrast the Sabbath with the Lord's day, showing that he did not believe the latter replaced the former. Bachham argues that the idea that the Lord's Day replaced the Sabbath is post-Constantinian. Luther saw rest as necessary, but did not tie it to Sunday. A stricter interpretation of the Sabbath became actually more common with the Puritans, along with the Seventh-day uh, Baptists and later the Seventh-day Adventists. And now we see a lot of Hebrew roots people popping up mm -hmm. and they want to keep the Sabbath because when you read some of these older when you read, read some of the uh, Old Testament scriptures, it sure looks like you're supposed to keep it. Um, it sure looks like Jesus uh, was in kind of keeping of the Sabbath, um, kind of keeping in the law. Um, it didn't. Uh, but here's the thing. Everything went on as it went on for three years after Jesus died and, and, and rose again. And then... Began the mission to the Gentiles. Right. I am a Gentile. I am not a Jew. Okay. I am a Jew by faith. And now all the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob belong to me because of my faith in the Messiah of the Jewish people. Right. He is King of Kings and he is Lord of Lords. I enter into the Sabbath day rest and I take it further than one day. Exactly. And the type and shadow that God was trying to say, because God did not need to rest because he didn't need a physical rest. He rested from his works. He, he was showing us, stop doing what you're doing on your own. And I'm going to make you do it by penalty of death <laughs> until the Messiah comes and you figure out what I'm trying to tell you mm. because all the Old Testament prophets look to the day that Messiah would come. Right. Why? Well, the whole temple was set up to be a bridge between heaven and earth. And now Michelle and I were talking about this. We are literally, imagine yourself a walking temple. The temple, it comes from um, even prior to that, we had the... Tabernacle. The tabernacle. And there were times where one time specifically in the Bible where they're carrying the tabernacle and it goes to fall and one guy goes to catch it. Right. And it's so holy that the guy is struck dead right then by mm -hmm. God, like just literally straight up struck dead. Yeah. That's how sanctified yeah. that tabernacle was. Right. Which, so not only are we at the temple, but we are the place where God tabernacles. Okay? Well, and that's another thing, right? So in the temple, the light never stopped. Mm -hmm. They went out and they were making bread on the Sabbath. And the priests were always doing what? Work. The work of the ministry. The Lord. The work of the Lord. Do uh, we have any questions? I don't think we have any questions in the chat. On um, Facebook or anything? 
We got comments. Uh, let's see. I think Jack says old versus new is much clearer. Should it be literally and found an answer? Should it be taken literally and found an answer? Thank you. Um, go ahead. We'll give like a few minutes here if anybody has any questions or comments and, and, and you believe the A, B, C, and D. Then go ahead. I think most of the people that are going to be hardlined on this are going to be the ones, and this is just what we've seen. I've already seen it in the comments from when Leah made a post about this yesterday, are the, the you have to keep the Sabbath, and the Sabbath is on Sat Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. I think what we learned here, especially at the end, uh, guys, is that no one is contesting whether the Sabbath is from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. Yes, it is. And Lee and I have actually said this to people for years, that we do not count Sunday as the quote official Sabbath, yeah. as we all know the Sabbath. Yeah. We count Sunday as the Lord's day because we actually have always known that the early church, I didn't know that they worked on that day, mm -hmm. but I did know that the early church came together and gathered and worshiped on Sunday. together on Sunday. So it is also unfortunate. So you have two different days, which actually is in keeping with, we all have what we call the weekend, right? And it pretty much starts for everyone from sundown on Friday, goes through sundown on Saturday into the day on Sunday. So you get two sundowns to sundowns. That is what has happened and informed in our society, I think, for good reason. Yeah, you get two days of rest now. You kind of do. God loves you. I think it's I think it's a good thing, but it, it's see it's ceasing from our works. But to get back to and we'll and we'll let people leave comments and, and if you have any questions, we'll we'll try to answer them. Um when when Leah and I address life in general and the Sabbath, because we we work a business, our mm -hmm. pet care business, literally would not allow us unless we hired employees, which again, going back to, you shouldn't even have your employees do the work. And can you turn on your car? Can you, so we, some of we, our we take care of animals for a living. Yeah. People go out of town and they're on vacation for a week. I can't tell them, well, we can only watch your dogs six days out of the seven days of the week. Yeah. Right. And if I hired an employee to do mm -hmm. that seventh day, then they're doing it, which is is mm -hmm. not biblical. Right. So the point is that so so when Lee and I address life, we try to live a Sabbath type rest mm -hmm. every single day. Yeah. We take a Sabbath rest in various times of the day, and we're talking to God throughout the day. And we've we've ceased from our works, meaning we only do the job that we that we have. Because we feel that God has led us to do it. We do it unto the Lord. And so it, it we can we carry this out throughout every moment but of our lives. If you're gonna go by Christian tradition, yes. Even the Jewish apostles, mm -hmm. they stopped doing the Sabbath keeping mm -hmm. and started to meet together with their fellow Christian believers on Sunday. Yes. And they and what was very very interesting, and this is what we are encouraging people, and like a Tom Marchesani and the um, the small churches, the way churches are even done today, is they're wrong. not done the way they were done before. They they got together and they broke bread, they had real communion, not a stupid wafer and a little bit of 
grape juice. Right. Okay. They the reason they did bread and, and wine or grape juice is because that's what they ate. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is my body. Take and eat. This is my blood. Take and drink. Just remember me when you're getting together on the Lord's day. Remember that I died and rose again. Mm-hmm. If all if you don't have grapes in your region, oh my gosh, can you not take communion? <laughs> That's a good question. What if you had a bad crop of wheat and you don't have any bread? Can you still, you never take communion ever again? I know I'm going to hurt some Catholics here on this. But he said, get together and nobody was blessing it and turning it into Jesus. Okay, I'm just telling you. The Catholics, they take styrofoam anyway. I know. They were eating styrofoam. Like whatever get, that thing is, we got is not together. bread. What it is, is styrofoam. When he said they got together to break bread, we ate together. They we didn't mean food. a little quarter size thing of styrofoam yeah right okay now there are other scriptures on um communion which say why do you guys you're bringing all your food together and you're not really sharing and somebody's got more food over here and is it to just eat that's why i love potlucks potlucks are the greatest thing that church ever did well and it would also make sense that these people are hungry because they worked all day so they're like we're gonna get together we're gonna bring our dinner with us yeah. But unfortunately, what he's like, you guys aren't, you guys aren't sharing. Share what you got at the potluck. Okay. Come on now. They were had, they had, they, the Christians had these love feasts. They're called love feasts. So Leah, let's, let's, um. So the question remains, do you celebrate the, should, should you keep, should Christians keep. keep the Sabbath? And if so, do you do Saturday or Sunday? I think that the, we laid out the scriptures very, very clearly of answering the question of, do you have to? Mm-hmm. Right. I think that that I, I hope that after having read the scriptures with us, you all at least are on that page, because mm-hmm. if you aren't, then you are following a cult and not Bible. OK, right. do you have to mm-hmm. that question? I think we answered. And should you judge other people who don't No. Right. That there's several there's several but scriptures what, that but say the, that the question that is that is still there is should you keep the Sabbath? Does it make you closer to God? I say yes. I think that you should keep the Sabbath in modern day Christianity because it sets an example and it um, well, our lives are so busy that we as, as most people cannot, Allow God to to enter into a rest of a week-long thing. You guys need that. And I would say, when I say, should you do this? I would say in very Paul-like fashion, for your weaknesses of society. Okay? Yes, you should. Number three, you should keep the Sabbath and go to church because it is good to be surrounded by a fellowship of believers because most people spend the week surrounded by unbelievers. So... Taking all of those things aside and talking about our life, okay, do we keep a Sabbath day the way everyone else understands? No, we do not. Do we get together and have church because we need to devote one day to God because our lives are so crazy and we can't? No, because Leah and I and our family, we devote every day to God. Number three, 
Do we gather together because we need the fellowship because we're surrounded by such crazy worldly people all week long and we just need to get together with the fellowship believers? No, we don't. We don't do, we don't have to do any of those things because we don't have any of those caveats. But most people do. And because you have those caveats, yes, you should keep the Sabbath. Now, as far as what day do you do it on? That one, I don't think, when I say keep the Sabbath, Let's 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 put it into perspective. Should you keep a Sabbath day, a day of of rest and devotion you, to the Lord? Oh, so do you, do you mean do you um, tape do you, your refrigerator so the light bulb doesn't come on? That I would say no. Do you tape your oven so your light doesn't come on? That I would say no. What if you got to drive somewhere? Can you turn your car on? Think you got to go. Okay. Right. Okay, but I do think that it is important. Can you read toilet paper off? In modern day Christianities, that is, you are being really ridiculous now. In modern, did you see they were ripping? I saw that. they were ripping toilet paper off. In modern day Christianity, I think that it is important to find where you fit, find your people. Do you do you do you resonate with the keeping the Sabbath, the uh, keeping a Sabbath day of rest from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday, ceasing from your works, devoting from God, gathering with friends that also De do the same devoting thing, devoting to God, devoting to God. You said from God. Excuse me. D devoting for God, to God, whatever. Do that. Or do you feel more in touch with God by devoting that Sunday that's, that you were probably raised traditionally, right? I think that that's what it kind of boils down to. It's, it's really just your heart. And that is, again, keeping with what Paul was saying in the scriptures is if it's a sin to you, don't do it. So, so the Saturday versus the Sunday, again, I think that Lee and I laid out a pretty clear case for either day, right? If you're going to do that, although I hope that having watched today and having watched Leah and I throughout the week, that many of you, and I'm getting messages from you guys, are starting to enter into that, that Sabbath rest every single day. And you're starting to commune with the fellowship of the brethren every single day. And I would say also, I count the gathering of watching resistance chicks as a fellowship of the brethren. You're there in the chat, right? You're surrounded by people that are encouraging you and lifting you up in the things of the Lord. And that, my friends, is the most important part of all of this. So do you are you honoring God with your life throughout the week? of having entered into his rest. And I will tell you, I have been talking to my closest friends, one of which who celebrates Sabbath on from Friday to Saturday and the other one that celebrates it on Sunday. And with both of them, we all understand as a group where each one is. And I have said, I am, I'm convicted that I lately have been so carried away with the cares of this world that I haven't been entering into that rest. And I'm trying to get back into that throughout, throughout the week. And yeah. that's, that to me is the most important thing. I got to well, do it every day. We have a, uh, all day, every day. Our friend, um, Catherine, she, um, does she still do it? She turns off all electricity, lights, candles, um, just because she wants to get out of the modern world for yeah. a night and it really relaxes her. And, and the whole point when you watch, uh, the Jewish Shabbat, um, it's supposed to be a time of family together and re yeah. relaxing and loving one another and, and no, uh, distraction from the world and just, focusing on God. And, uh, you'll notice that, um, that's what both those women said on Shabbat. I just feel closer to God. And so like going back to the beginning when she said that would be silly to do a Shabbat in the middle of the week and find yourself trying to be close to God. Um, but no, we, we have a Shabbat day rest every day. And I can, I can just literally close my eyes and find myself in Shabbat. I can find myself in that Sabbath day rest. And so I hope that you 
will find that eternal rest, that's that, that forever rest. You'll cease from your own works. You will enter into that eternal and you will cease from your works as he did from his. Come on and preach and live every day saying, God, what do you want me to do? Right? And we're not there yet in modern day society. Most of you get up and you go to a job that you don't like and you have to listen to people tell you what to do well, instead of God. The New Testament talks about doing things you don't want to do. It but does. But you can still be in, in that, that rest. rest in your mind. And because I'm not doing it for me. It says, Come on and when preach. you work, work unto the Lord and not unto men. Patriot Gallery has so many amazing comments here tonight, but the last one really hit me. She says, fire pits are fantastic for resting, relaxing. No electronics does the mind and body good. Here's so, the, yeah, fires actually do um, ground you. Let me, let me add one more thing to this and then, and then we'll say goodbye. Because this is the most important thing, especially to our friend Jesse. She counts the Sabbath as very important for the, for the body and the mind and the soul. Mm. She does not do it so much because she feels like she has to because it's a sin not to, but rather it's the best way because God gave it to us as a blessing. So that in and of itself is such a valid point. If you are able to. And I'll be straight up honest with you guys. If we were able to, because of our business, we would probably devote a, 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 a day, give or take, but we would try to put it on a specific day to the Lord, to family, and we would do that. We just have to fit it in throughout the week. We do do that. We do take time for just our family but to shut things out, for shut out the world. I would say this. Because it's good to do that. It's not something that the writers of the epistles are not Emphasized. necessarily body, mind, and soul focused. They're focused on just spreading the gospel. Exactly. And so Paul is like, my body is just dead. I mean, my body is, my body <laughs> That's is a good beaten. Point. I've been shipwrecked and he is not going around doing yoga. Do you think Paul was taking a Sabbath rest when he was um, shipwrecked? No, I don't think he took a Sabbath rest at all. I think he ran himself to the ground. I do too. Um, and he's like, I just live for Christ. I got to keep going. 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 Till like, I got to do it. You know? And let me I ask rest you, let me pose you this question. Spirit. Does the expansion of God supersede, the expansion of the kingdom of God supersede the Sabbath? And I would say yes. And we, we found that clearly through scriptures tonight where Jesus said, which one of you that found, that has a lost sheep? They're not going to go and rescue it, right? No, and that, and, and that's the, the human, whole that's world ministry, right? is lost. That's uh, is lost sheep. So ministry. So God, this is what I would say to you all: Your life, every single day, should be ministry, and that's where Leah and I land on the Sabbath. So you might not have every a day, day is ministry for months and for months us. and months. If God's got you rescuing a bunch of sheep every Sunday or Saturday. Exactly. A bunch of, you know, and God's got you ministering to people. And what would that include? There, it doesn't exclude anything, really. Ministry, you could be doing anything for ministry, right? If, yeah. As long as that's what God has shown you, that's what you're supposed to do for ministry. Well, so. there are a lot of circuit riders who never took a Sabbath day rest. Yeah. They were just, they're, they, just they believe that the, the Lord's day, um, like George Whitfield, right? Yeah. George Whitfield would preach Saturday and Sunday, mm -hmm. all day a week, all, every week, every every week, every and day of the week, every day of the week, and he would just go from town to town to town to town, and he he ran his body to the ground. Is that wise? I don't know, but the New Testament uh, uh, epistles ri written to the Gentiles were not concerned with you taking a Sabbath day rest. They were most concerned 
with the expansion of the kingdom of God. And they were most concerned with you finding that rest in him. Amen. That's what they, they were concerned with your soul. Mm-hmm. They weren't really concerned with your body. Yeah, that's true. They were concerned with your soul. Mm-hmm. Rest from your works. You and know? and then we also laid out the case that is the Sabbath, does your soul hinge on the Sabbath? No. No, but your soul hinges on resting in him and ceasing from your own works. Boom. That's it right there. All right, you guys. I hope that you have enjoyed this. Um, I, I think Jeff says, I think that's fulfilling the Sabbath, going out to get your lamb. Mm-hmm. Amen. I love that. So good. Uh, Jeff also says, I have 20 smart meters outside of my apartment. I'm going to pray against that. Stacy says, the Sabbath. God, do what you want me to do. Boom. Boom. So says Stacy. All right. Reminder. I'm going to let you guys. I'm running. I was told I could run this giveaway however I wanted to run it. I'm supposed to be pulling out all of the names for the drawing for the Old School Survival Boot Camp today. Now. We're going to do ours on Friday. Mm-hmm. So I am going to let you guys continue to submit okay. your entries for the drawing. Go to resistancechicks.com. Click on the banner in the upper right-hand corner. From now until Friday. It's supposed to end tonight. But do it from now until Friday. But also, I just found out, and I wish I had known this the whole time. I wasn't sure. Every single entry, I will be emailing you, even if you don't win, a $10 off ticket. Coupon, okay. coupon. Co- or coupon, coupon code, code for your ticket. Yeah. Okay. So that's huge. So, but it only you're only going to get that that discount code if you enter. So if you are thinking about coming to Old School Survival Bootcamp in Hocking Hills, May 12th through the 14th, you still have time to go and and register to win. Uh, Stacy Barnes reminded me because she was in the chat, and we we're going to be camping out with them. Uh, we're looking forward to that. So I want you guys to to go and enter in for that. But uh, guys, remember, it's not just a conspiracy theory if it's actually the truth. We love you. God loves you. God bless. We will see you on Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time live on Brideon.tv. And, and then remember, afterwards. We did a Sugar Shack video. We're going to, we kind of streamed it on Facebook earlier, but we recorded another video we're going to be uploading soon. Yeah, look forward to that. I'll probably premiere it tomorrow night, I'm going to guess. Um, it's going to be really, really, really fun. We're also going to get to pray for and see Dr. Frank tomorrow. So maybe we'll get a little live interview with him before. I'm sure we will. Um, before he leaves. So, all right, you guys, we love you. God loves you. God bless. Leah, thank you for this show. This was really good. And I think very enlightening for a lot of people. And I hope you guys have enjoyed it. And if you have, make sure you're subscribed to whatever platform you're watching on and leave comments because we love reading them. Bye guys. God bless. It's called all along, no place for home.